Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. really good to see all of you again. Uh, and Eric started off this with this, but yeah, this is, uh, we, we, uh, I don't want to say we put the Lord to the test, but um, two weeks of outdoor services in August, and uh, man, won't he do it? <laughs> I mean, this is better than October right now. Um, and uh, which I should probably not say that. Let's not put the Lord to the test because maybe it will be better than October. Who knows? Um, but I'm glad that uh, you guys are here. And it's really, really good uh, to be here um, together. And, uh, you know, I'll say this again. We said last time um, that we've been having the uh, indoor services and we've been keeping it pretty uh, low as far as numbers go. And it's, and it's, and it's been good. There's been a healthy, uh, we haven't necessarily had to get to a rotation yet, but there's been a good rotation of people. Um, that have been coming in, and it's great to see uh, people. Um, and uh, it's important that we are uh, together, and that we are, we'll get into this in a little bit, but that we're, we're feeding off one another and encouraging one another in our, uh, in our trust and in our faith, because uh, there are other uh, things at play when we are the, one, of the, one of the constant um, themes of Scripture is, is when the sheep are scattered, uh, it, that it makes it easier for the wolves to uh, to get around, um, and so we want to make sure that we are together and seeing one another face to face, and not seeing one another simply through uh, various posts and opinions and articles uh, that can lead to not harmony, um, but uh, less than harmony. So, um, kids also, uh, every kid, while staying in your general vicinity. Stand up. You stand up, and you can define yourself as a kid. If you're like, I'm not a kid. That's okay. I let me tell you something. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Okay. Uh, and when and on on Sundays, sometimes we have kids that come, and I'm glad they're here. You can sit down if you want. I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here because listen, I know I was a kid once. It's been a little while, and I know that. Um, Church is not the most fun thing in the world. And I, and I want to tell you, uh, church is not designed to be the most fun thing in the world. And there are things that you have to do in life that are not fun. Okay? Uh, and the, the day and age that we're in, you're, you are marketed to, and our, it's our job to kind of protect you that. But you're marketed that everything should be fun and great and wonderful, and if it's not, then, then we'll have to do something else. But, but this, is like, this is like a family dinner time, right? It's not always fun. Maybe it can be on occasion. It's not always fun, but it's it's nourishing, right? You have to eat. Is there a kid here that does not have to eat? Uh, all right. So with that, my question, and you cannot use that as an excuse. All right. Here's my question for for kids. 
What is your favorite meal to have? Spaghetti. Spaghetti? Meatballs? Pizza. No meatballs. Pizza. Just spaghetti. Okay. Pizza? Pizza. What kind? Okay, hold on. A couple people over here said pizza. Who else over here said pizza? Pizza. What kind of pizza? Pepperoni pizza. Alright, alright. Josh? Pizza. Five meat pizza. Meat lovers. Five meat meat lovers pizza. What do you like on your pizza, John? Um, Bacon. What? Chicken. What else? Alright, somebody said a burger. I like a burger. A greasy bacon cheeseburger every once in a while. Is the goodness of God. Somebody else said pizza? Who's that? Is that you, honey? What's your favorite kind of pizza? <laughs> she is her mother's child. She said pineapple. I feel like I have forfeited my right to talk. Alright, what up? Anybody else? Anybody else have a favorite meal? Maybe outside the norm. Five cheese pizza? No, mac and cheese pizza. Did you say mac and cheese pizza? Yeah. That's a thing? Yeah. It was at the Pizza Street. It was on the Okay. Oh, it is a thing. All right. Pizza Street is the thing. What? Yeah. Um, okay, here's uh, here's another question, kids, and I need this is important. I like one of the things that's a favorite at our house, and my son did not answer this, but we like Brenner. Um, we like waffles and pancakes, whatever, for dinner. That's good stuff. Um, all right. By show of hands, kids, how many of you um, have to pay for your meals, for your dinner? Put your hand down. <laughs> and without buying, how many of you actually have to pay for your meals? Okay. Um, how many of you have to make your meals? Uh, okay, to my older son, have to make your meals. Not get up at midnight and make meals. While mom and dad are asleep. Don't tempt me, man. I got a microphone. All right. So here's what you're saying. We we, we were uh, my wife and I were talking one time about uh, about going to an all inclusive, and I can't remember who who was there in our house. And, and our our oldest daughter said. I want to go to an all-inclusive, and the friend that was there looked at her and said, your whole life is an all-inclusive. <laughs> um, kids, here's the thing. So you get, every once in a while, you get your favorite meal, right? Pizza, hamburgers, uh, uh, you know, tacos, whatever, the brinner, whatever it might be. And and you don't have to pay for it, right? And and you don't even you don't even have to make it. That's a pretty sweet deal. All right, here, here's the kicker. How many of you then, after dinner, or breakfast, or lunch, or all three, or even snack time in between, how many of you go to either mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whatever, whoever actually did provide and make your meal, how many of you go to them and say, thank you, I would have, I would have starved if you didn't feed me. Maybe I should ask parents. 
Parents, how many of your kids come to you? Uh, so, um, today we're going to look at why that's important. How critical that is, how much we take for granted, and why it's important to remember God's provision all the time. And we're going to be kind of quick about it, but um, we've been going through the parables, and the parables are Jesus would tell these stories, these short stories. And a lot of times we think short stories are there to, to help make the complex simple, but a lot of times Jesus told these parables, and he made simple things more complex. Uh, the goal of the parables is actually to kind of mess with us a little bit, to make us kind of stop in our tracks. And last week we read these parables, we read three of them uh, in Luke chapter 15, uh, and I'm not going to read them again. I'll let you go do that if you'd like. Uh, but the last one in these three parables was a parable about a dad who had two sons. Right? Did you guys, if you, if you watched last week or, or heard about it, this dad had two sons. And the first son, the younger son. Is it any kid? This, this is a kid-only question. Anybody remember what the younger son, what did he do? Anybody remember? Yeah, no. Yeah. He asked for his share of money. Basically, he said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Can I have my inheritance now? Hint. It's not, don't talk to your parents that way. Um, and then he went and he blew all his money. He lived high for a while. Then the money ran out. The food ran out. And he envied what the pigs were eating. Um, and then you had the older brother. Uh, eventually, the younger brother, he, he, he got to the end of himself. The food ran out. Uh, and he said, he started to remember what it was like this father's house. I didn't have to beg. I had, I had everything I ever wanted. I didn't have to ask or wonder if there was going to be food on the table. I don't even remember thinking, I wonder if we're going to eat tonight. And I got to sleep in my own bed every night. And he started thinking, even the servants at my parents' house eat better than I do. And so he comes home. Wondering if he could just get a piece of the father's abundant bread. And of course the father, when he comes home, the father runs out and embraces him and welcomes him home. Uh, he throws a party for him and the entire household celebrates the return of this son. What once was dead, the son that was dead uh, has now been made alive. And everybody celebrated the return of the younger son except for one person. Everybody remember, kids, who, who didn't celebrate? The older brother. Yeah. He saw the party going on in the house, and I think he, he probably knew. Chances are good he knew. He saw the party going on in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's the deal? He said, oh, your dad's throwing a party. Your brother came home. And he got mad. And so the servant went back in and told the father, hey, man, your other, your other son is mad. And so the father, just like he did with the younger son, he goes out to the older son. And, and he entreats him. He pleads with him. Why? Your brother's home. Let's celebrate. And the older son says, where's my party? I've done, and our kids, I've done, I used to use this all the time. Even though it's a total lie. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Right? Anytime you say that, just acknowledge that it's a lie. Um, 
I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've been obedient. I've, I've cared for the family business. I've done all this stuff. Where's, you didn't even give me a goat. Where, and, and yet you're slaughtering the, the calf. Where's my part? What about me? Nobody's ever celebrated me being a great son. And the father who had embraced him. I have provided every meal for you. I have given you life. You have never had to sleep with pigs. You have never had to envy what they had to eat. Everything that I have had has been yours to enjoy. Now, this is the end of the parable. And Jesus doesn't tell us how the older son reacts. In fact, we're kind of left to see how do, if you remember the context, Jesus is talking that there's, there's two sets of crowds there, right? There's uh, the Pharisees and the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious, and then tax collectors and sinners uh, who, who have all come to, to see and experience what Jesus is saying. And so we're kind of left to go, okay, this was a parable that really, we call it the prodigal son, but really it should be called the, the older brother, the parable of the older brother. And so we're kind of left to see how do the religious uh, people respond to this? How do we, the religious leaders of the day respond? And, and most of them don't respond well. So here's what I struggled with last week. Last week, in, in, in getting to the end of the sermon and trying to sell, try to do three parables in one and all that, uh, the warning and the application to, to me and to my own soul, uh, I have certainly found myself in the position of both brothers. Maybe. Hope, uh, maybe I'm not alone. Um, but it's the older brother, it's the older son that doesn't ever seem to be convinced of, of his sinfulness. I haven't gone out and squandered your money. I haven't done, I've done good things. Sometimes I think when we hear, uh, I need to be convicted of my sin, we think, I need to feel guilty about all the bad things that I've done. And, and that's not what Jesus is saying here. Um, sometimes we need to be convicted of the good things that we've done. It's the older brother that doesn't seem to notice or see that, that, that he has a problem, that he is self-justified. He is the one that has affirmed all of his actions as correct and right and worthy. Uh, and in doing so, here's the deal, in doing these things and following the rules and being obedient, he has actually forfeited his ability to enjoy the goodness of his Father. In being obedient and thinking that's what makes him good and right, he has forfeited the ability to enjoy the goodness of his Father. And this is the scary part. This may be the most scary part. There are 
an infinite number of ways that we can end up in the position of the older brother. I, in, like last week walking away, I thought, man, how many ways have I wound up in that position of the older brother? Uh, the older brother is not the position that we hold. The older brother, the, what, what makes that what, what makes it hard is the manner in which we hold the position that we hold. The belief, the doctrine, the viewpoint. It's not just what the position is, it's how we hold. Arrogance or humility. Or the, the manner in which we avoid holding certain positions. Is it grace? We're very convicted about something, but we're willing to uh, express grace? Or is it indifference? It's when we justify ourselves in our own eyes, whatever our position might be, we fail to see the goodness of our Father. There are, there are so many things for us to be prideful about. There's so many things for me to be prideful about. There's so many things that are at war within me um, that lead me to the position of the older brother and failing to delight in the goodness of the Father. Uh, Matthew 18, which kind of falls right in the same period here that, that Jesus is telling these um, parables. Matthew 18 um, they, they've just had, they've just been at the Mount of uh, the Transfiguration where Jesus like literally glows and he's there with Elijah and Moses and they're coming down the mountain and Jesus, uh, <laughs> the disciples get in an argument about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Okay, now this is, this is, um, this is fantastic. Here's what has just happened. Jesus has been transfigured, transformed right before their eyes. Peter says something, they shouldn't. That's often Peter's tale. And, and, and they're coming down the mountain. Here is, and Jesus has just told them, I am going to die. And so, and so this is what they're debating as they're coming down the mountain. When Jesus dies, who is going to take over? Alright? I mean... You talk about missing the entire point. They're, they're debating and arguing about who's going to take over when, when Jesus dies. If you've ever felt like, man, I don't know if I'm getting this Christian thing, read the disciples. It will comfort your soul. And so what Jesus tells them, Jesus says this, in, in chapter 18, verse 3 and 4, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says this, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Alright, when they say children, it's different than when we say children. There's a, there's a different meaning. Age, age range is still the same. But we have a different view of children than they have uh, of children. We, we have a very romanticized view of children, um, and we see them as our, our little uh, angels and kids. Uh, we love you. Um, I'm going to preface that. 
but we see them as our little angels, right? So precocious and full of wonderment. And, uh, and, and, and they are marketed to, and they are romantic, and we're like, oh, to live life as a child. In, in Jesus' day, a kid basically was a future free laborer and a guarantee of passing down wealth. Okay? Um, it doesn't mean that they were, they were on the level of servants, but they were, they were loved, uh, but not in the way that, that, that we do that. It was a different view of children. Uh, it was an investment in your future. And they would one day grow up to help labor. So the older son knocked it out of the park. That's what he was supposed to do. But the one thing that kids have in common now, as they did back then, is a child now and then was completely dependent on, on their parents, on their family, on the household. They were completely dependent. In fact, even worse than that day, Christians actually started the concept of orphanages, adoption, all of that stuff. Uh, in, in this day, you were, you were, if you did not have a household or a family, you were on your own. Um, and so, when Jesus says to become like children, he is saying to them to become radically dependent. And if, if I'm honest, I forget my need to be radically dependent. I often, I, even, even this is how brilliant the enemy is, in, in my own mind, is... Even in doing like um, spiritual practices and disciplines, and you know, if I can do these enough, then if I get my sin in order enough, then God will have time to worry about all you sinners, right? And that's not to say we don't deal with our own sin, but it should. And I've said this before: the goal of the Christian life is not to ever be less dependent on Jesus. In fact, growth in the Christian life is to become more and more. And uh, in, in our world right now, um, I don't know if anybody else is a bit weary. Anybody else a bit weary? Okay. Um, of, of everything. Right? If you've been home for a long time, uh, I regularly volunteer to go to the store. <laughs> Please. I only got two of the three things we needed yesterday. Maybe I should go back, right? Um, uh, there's there is time. There is a lot of thoughts. Every move, every thought, every angle is seems to be heavily scrutinized. Are you doing this right? Are we doing this right? Is this the right move? Uh, there is a move you know, just toward anger, and are we angry enough? Certainly fear. Are we fearful enough? Um, and for me, and, and then oftentimes when we're not consuming from one another, and, and I mean that in a good way, when we're not taking in from one another, meeting together, being encouraging to one another, then something fills that gap, either my own head or social media or whatever article I'm reading, and that becomes the voice uh, 
And so for me, it's, it's just spending that time in my own strength, thinking that I'm the one that has to hold the universe together. And those thoughts and fears are reinforced by everything around us. Um, so a few weeks ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, and um, we were both just lamenting a, a weariness. Uh, and um, I, I was reading, uh, I was reading and studying regularly, but but like there was no life. Um, I was learning, but time with Jesus seemed dry. Uh, my soul felt dry. Uh, and so we were talking, I got tired of hearing me pray. Uh, I was like, this is so annoying. I can't imagine what you're thinking right now, God. Um, and so he had mentioned that a friend of his talked about just meditating in a psalm. And so a few weeks ago, I started to, we, we both just, we found a psalm, uh, and we started to meditate. And so how we're going to close this morning is I'm just going to take a few minutes and Psalm 37, and we're going to, this is the, the psalm that I've been meditating on lately. Um, and I wanted to just, I want to kind of sit in it. Um, and I'm going to tell you, kids that are old enough, you, like, you can engage in this. If your kids make noise and all that, I don't care. Um, and if the people around you care, uh, I'm sorry. And I, I know it can, but this, we're, we're outside, we're in a beautiful location, we're just going to sit and, and meditate uh, on this for a few minutes. Um, you can close your eyes, you can look around, um, but I want to ask some permeating questions. Here's the thing, the parables of Jesus that we've been in over the last several weeks, the parables were meant to stop us in our tracks. I'm still trying to get over Van Dyne's sermon from a few weeks ago of the wheat and the weeds. It's still messing with me. And, and that's what it's supposed to do. We're not supposed to hear these parables and go, ah, got it. Rebel, come back, and then, that, and then I'm good. Check. We're, they're, they're meant to mess with us. They're meant to permeate. Um, so for this morning, as, as we close, I need to slow down, uh, which sounds weird because everything around me seems slow right now, but internally, it's just a constant speeding up. Um, so I'm going I'm to hope and trust that I'm not the only one. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read. Uh, I'm going to be in Psalm 37. If you want to turn there, you can and read along with me. I'm going to read a few verses. And I'm going to ask us to reflect for just a, a couple minutes. I'm going to read a few more. And then we'll reflect. Uh, and I'll just ask some questions to guide us as we go through. Cool? And then we'll, and then we'll, that's, that's where we'll finish. Um, all right, here's Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herbs. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Think through just... Just this past week. Think through your days this past week. And ask this question. Where have I been governed or ruled over by fear or anger? Think about moments or relationships.
What did that produce in me? Nothing about this. Ask this question. Over the past week, when have I delighted in God's goodness? Just felt His goodness. Righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. And fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be in there. But the meek will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So again, think through the days of the past week. ask this question, where and when have I tried to prove myself? Where or how have I been compelled by self-justification or self-protection? Now ask this question from last week. When have I been still before the Lord? Not because of a fear of man or being paralyzed about a decision or just indifference. But when have I been still out of a, a, a proper fear of the Lord?
And what did that produce in me? against the righteous. Gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows that his day is coming. The wicked will draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword will enter their own heart, and their bows will be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. The arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They're not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. Again, think through the last week. Where have I focused only on self-provision? On my needs? On my wants? As if I am my great provider.
is the moment we're going to use to turn. Psalm 37, verse 21. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. The righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land. And those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. And though he fall, he will not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. The children of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land. And you can respond by saying, Thanks be to God. Hear the Father, see the Father, feel the Father come to you and say to you, All that I have is yours. And in our conviction and our purpose to be able to say, I have forfeited this so often. I have not embraced and rejoiced in the provision of my Father, His grace and mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, my brother. And yet He welcomes me home. And yet He compels, He pleads, He, he entreats me to see all that I have and to be thankful. Let me pray. And then we're going to take this meal of communion. Joel, you're leading communion, right? Yeah. We'll take this meal of, of communion together. And, and I, I, want to, I won't step on, Joe's, on Joel's uh, toes, but like this is the meal that the Father has provided because of the completed work of the Son. That we're invited to feast. This is His daily spiritual nourishment and provision that all sinners who have come before the Lord in humility and confessed our need for fruit Jesus are invited to feast on. So let me pray. God, as confession, I, just, just the, the weirdness of the world, um, maybe an over... Uh, overwhelming amount of time to sit and dwell and think um, to wonder at conspiracies and be led astray by uh, voices entreating me to anger and outrage one way or another and certainly your children we're not called to do nothing but we are called to walk and act as children of the Most High God, with the confidence that you that you are God, 
that there is no kingdom on this earth, there is no conspiracy on this earth, there is no election on this earth that can ever or will ever thwart that. So may we rest in that, may we hope in that, may we labor in that, may our words be soaked and drenched with that. With a humble confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.